You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Uh, to the question about uh, uh, your trust, I think it's one of the most foundational things for the company. I take it seriously, listen to the feedback, uh, try to understand when I feel uh, there's something which caused uh, uh, breaking of trust and see what we can do to improve. Google CEO Sundar Pichai says the company has been struggling with maintaining the trust of its employees. This is how he described the problem in leaked audio published by The Washington Post last week. I think we are genuinely uh, struggling with some issues, transparency at scale, how to do it, especially at a time when everything we do is, doesn't stay within the walls. Those comments come at an interesting time. On November 1st, it will have been exactly one year since the Google walkout, a protest against Google leadership that had a reported 20,000 employees walking off the job in offices around the world. I'm Ariel Dunross. Today on Reset, we're looking at the impact of the Google walkout one year later. Time's up at Google. Time's up on sexual harassment. Time's up on abuse of power. I've been at Google for seven years. I've had both a sexual harassment and a sexual discrimination case. I've blocked out some memories of it, but I don't think anybody should have to do that anymore. I decided to coordinate this Dublin gathering as one of the many Google sites that are walking out today. It was huge. It was a big deal. I was there and you could feel this energy um, that I had never seen before in the tech industry. We demand structural change in the name of transparency, accountability, and equity. We're walking out in support of those who've been harassed anywhere in the workplace. An energy of sort of anger and frustration and a real rising of worker dissent. Shireen Ghaffari is a reporter for Recode. She covered the walkout from Google's headquarters in Mountain View a year ago. I asked her to explain how this all started. The Google walkout was about really the abuse of power and sexual harassment in the tech industry, particularly at Google, where at the time it had recently come out that there was a pattern of sexual misconduct at the company, and that high-powered managers and executives were getting uh, protected and in some cases paid out to leave after there had been credible claims launched against them for sexually harassing and abusing their employees. And were these people people who were high up in the company? Yeah. So the most damning claim was probably about Andy Rubin. Um, He's the so-called founder of the Android uh, and was a very, very important person at the company. He was accused of coercing an employee into performing oral sex. The company actually found that claim to be credible. They launched an investigation, but they kept quiet about that and kind of pushed Ruben out, but thanked him publicly on his way out the door and paid him $90 million in an exit package. So when the New York Times revealed the circumstances around Ruben's exit and the massive payout, 
people were pissed. And you have 20,000 employees walking out of work at Google and offices around the world. Just to put this in perspective, 20,000 employees walking out on the job. Is that a lot? I mean, that's huge. Google's total employment is, I think, around 100,000. So 20 out of 100,000. I mean, that is huge for any workforce, but especially in tech, where historically workers do not speak out against management because overall, the perception is that tech workers historically are treated well. Engineers get all these crazy perks, especially at Google. You know, there's childcare on premises. There's free lunch. Um, there's amazing healthcare and time off. That's that's the perception of working at a top tech company like Google. So, yeah, workers don't usually walk out of work. So the Google walkout was about sexual harassment at the company. That's what it was about. Yes. At its core, it was about sexual harassment, but also about other issues like worker pay, diversity, having an employee voice on important projects. All these things sort of bubbled up and erupted at the time of the walkout. So there were organizers who sort of made this Google walkout happen. What were their demands? Most of the demands focused on making sure something like the Rubin situation did not happen again. So that means giving legal protections to employees who speak out against things like sexual harassment, and that means taking out these clauses that were in their contracts that uh, force them not to take their claims to court if they had an issue, but instead settle it privately and confidentially. So that demand was actually met. Um, That was probably the biggest uh, direct kind of success of the Google walkout in terms of policy changes. But there were other deeper structural demands that are very much still being worked out at Google. And those have to do with, you know, having an, an employee uh, representation on the board of directors. Those have to do with gender and diversity and pay equity, which is not just a problem at Google, but the entire tech industry. And remember that only 33% of employees at Google were women last year. And that number drops to about 25% for leadership and technical positions. So it's been a year since the walkout. Do you think it was effective? I think the Google walkout was successful in cracking open deeper tensions, not just at Google, but the entire tech industry. And many of the demands have not been met. Uh, Many people are still actively pushing for those kinds of demands to be met. What happened to the people who initiated the walkout? So uh, Meredith Whitaker and Claire Stapleton, two of the organizers, they... uh, publicly came out and months after the walkout said, hey, we feel that management's actually punishing us for our political activism. So you saw Claire uh, say that two months after the walkout, she was told she would be demoted and lose half of her direct reports. And Claire was a marketing manager at YouTube. You know, after she reported this to HR and she said, hey, I feel like I'm being retaliated against, they reversed the demotion, but she said that her managers started to ignore her, gave her work to other people, And she was told to go on medical leave, even though she wasn't sick. Meredith, who was an AI researcher who led Google's open research, she said she was told that her role would be changed dramatically and to stop her notable research on AI ethics at the AI Now Institute, a research center that she co-founded at NYU and she still runs. So both Meredith and Claire said they were retaliated against, came out with those claims, and then shortly after ended up quitting. Have those claims been verified? So Google says it investigated those retaliation claims in Meredith and Claire's cases and found no evidence of retaliation. But that's something that Meredith and Claire dispute. Are there any more examples like this of retaliation at Google? 
Yeah, I mean, in my reporting, I talk to Google employees all the time who face issues. Oftentimes, it's less well-known employees and maybe less scandalous um, circumstances. But these are people who say they've been subjected to things like everyday harassment on the job, having a manager who frequently makes inappropriate comments based on someone's gender or sexuality or race. And uh, they're forced to kind of put up with it, they say, because um, when they hear comments like, you're not getting promoted because you're such an emotional woman, and they report something like that, they say they're quietly pushed down the corporate ladder while the people who made those comments are kept in place or pushed up. So in your mind, is the significance of the Google walkout sort of a moment where employees finally felt comfortable calling this behavior out, right? This retaliation and the higher ups at Google ignoring retaliation. Is that what it is? Absolutely. And and it comes, you know, in the wake of the Me Too, Time's Up movement, and you're seeing people say, hey, I'm not going to set this, let this report about my manager sexually harassing me sit in a confidential HR file for the rest of my life. I'm going to come out with this and take a big risk potentially to my employment, uh, to my social standing with managers and say that it's not okay. Just last week, you broke a story about Google management trying to break up a meeting on unions and labor rights at its Zurich office. What happened? Yeah, so a group of Google employees at Zurich uh, for a while had been trying to host a discussion about uh, labor rights and unionization in their country. It wasn't a um, hey, we're going to vote on a union today kind of meeting. It was more, hey, here's we're going to invite a union rep to come talk about what unions are, what your rights are under the law, and, um, you know, just explore this as a potential area for people to be more informed about. And just the the potential for that meeting to happen was enough to get management to actually come out and try to shut down that meeting. And so you saw management reply to an email invite and say, hey, actually, this talk is canceled. That actually had the effect of sort of further stirring up tension and really upsetting many employees who felt that management was trying to stifle speech uh, about something that's within their rights to know about. So uh, the Googlers went ahead and had the meeting anyway, (laughs) which I think shows uh, the kind of level of activism that employees are willing to have now, especially post walkout and say, you know what, we're going to go ahead and do this whether management likes it or not. It's interesting because it kind of sounds like this is a big change for Google away from a culture of open communication. What was the culture of Google like initially and what do you think caused the change? Yeah, so I would argue that Google still has a very open communication culture compared to many other companies in terms of there are thousands of internal mailing lists at Google where people regularly debate uh, company policies, they debate politics. Um, However, as you mentioned, Google has been trying to rein that in. And um, a few months ago, the company updated their company guidelines to try and restrict some of the speech. So they discourage employees from spending all day debating politics. And uh, they banned employees from insulting, demeaning, or humiliating fellow coworkers, business partners, or others. Uh, And that others category is pretty vague. And people have pushed back and said, well, would that in others or public figures, would that include if I say something about Donald Trump, per se? Right. um, We haven't really gotten a clear answer. I think that a lot of this is TBD. It depends on how Google enforces it. And so far, aside from some notable exceptions like that unionization meeting I mentioned, Google management 
uh, has still allowed a level of, of debate and discussion. And that's core to Google's culture. The reason why they can't get rid of that overnight is because, you know, Google was founded on this idea that the best and brightest and smartest are going to sit here in kind of like a late night, like college dorm room setting, sort of talk about philosophy and the best way to run a company. And Googlers are encouraged to have a level of collegiate debate. Uh, and that's part of their success, because if you think about it, you have all these smart people sitting in a room. You don't want them all agreeing like sheep with each other. You want them coming up with the most zany and innovative technologies. But it's also becoming a huge liability as you see the company have these issues about their internal work culture. And you see people weighing in on hot topics like Donald Trump or the Hong Kong protests. What do you think the larger impact of the Google walkout is not just for Google, but for Silicon Valley as a whole and tech companies in the U.S. It had this effect where it made other tech workers feel like, hey, we can criticize management. That's okay. You're starting to see tech workers find more of a voice in a way that they really didn't have publicly before. So we saw Amazon workers organize a climate strike and join the young workers who were leading a global protest on that. You see workers at companies like Microsoft come out and say, we don't want our AI being used for military purposes. Uh, you're seeing all kinds of pushes for worker solidarity in tech that's truly unprecedented. And I think the Google walkout has played a very, very big role in opening the door for that. Coming up after the break, I talked to a former Google employee who is still fighting for workers' voices to be heard. I am not disappointed in the workers. I am disappointed in the leadership, and I think there's a clear difference. Liz Fong-Jones is an engineer. She worked for Google for 11 years and left in early 2019. For years before the walkout, Liz was an advocate for inclusion and workers' rights at Google. She said that from 2010 to 2016, leadership seemed to appreciate her work as a liaison between frustrated workers and management. But over time, she noticed a shift in workplace culture. I think the changes to Google have been quite negative since the walkout. Negative? What do you mean? The company has indicated a greater willingness to crack down on labor organizing, to retaliate, um, as you may have seen with the cases of Claire Stapleton and Meredith Whittaker. Uh, both of them allege that they were pushed out of the company and retaliated against for their contributions to leading the Google walkout. And overall, Google's leadership seems to be cracking down on what they deem to be non-work discussions at work. Uh, regardless of the fact that talking about sexual harassment is fundamentally a issue of our working conditions. Okay. So you mentioned Meredith Whitaker and Claire Stapleton and and how they sort of said that, that Google retaliated against them. And they have said that Google has a culture of retaliation. Do you agree with that? I think that it very much depends upon the circumstance. And I think that that unevenness is definitely a large problem at Google that even though there are individual working groups where retaliation would not be tolerated at all, I think that the failure of Google's leadership to lead by example and not retaliate and to deal with retaliation anywhere it happens with the company, right, I think that that is the broader problem. I know that 
I was going to experience relatively little retaliation because of my prominence. I worry much more about the people who are trying to report a allegation that someone was sexist to them or racist to them. When you mention retaliation, what exactly are you talking about? Can you give me a, a few examples? Sure. I think that some of the examples relate to when people attempt to say, like, hey, my boss made statements that were against pregnant people or my boss made statements that were racist. That if you then go and report that to HR, it's entirely obvious who you are, right? There's no way to anonymize that. Um, and then when HR potentially disciplines the person or like gives them a very light stop on the wrist and says, hey, please don't do that again, right? Then what happens is that manager who has complained about might choose to sabotage you in return, right? Might choose to assign you a lower performance review or simply not advocate as hard for you as they otherwise might, right? And that has a long-term impact on your pay. It has a long-term impact on your career. And as Claire and Meredith experienced, it can actually result in you being asked to leave the company. Okay. With negative press about retaliation at Google, do you think the company is concerned about worker retention? I think that it's not a matter of the press. I think it's a matter of workers actually acting in solidarity or just individually quitting. I think that that's going to be the thing that actually causes Google to have to change the way it does business. Between that and lawsuits, right? Like, I, I don't see negative press as being the only factor here. I think that it's important to actually meaningfully affect the company's bottom line. How do you think your identity affected your interactions with Google employees and, and sort of um, the negative experiences that you had at Google? How much of that can you tie back to your identity? One of the things I quickly realized within my first year at Google was that I, as a LGBT plus person working at Google, was not going to be protected by the company. And um, that the company was going to place financial profit ahead of the interest of my human rights. That was made clear to me in November of 2008 when Prop 8 came up for election in California, which was a ban on gay marriage. And Google was happy to take the money of the pro-Prop 8 campaign and was willing to run ads that incited hatred and fear of, of gay and lesbian and transgender Californians. And I think that seeing the company do that and seeing the company ignore protests over it was a moment that caused me to decide to speak up the next time something similar happened. Did Google employees ever say anything about you being LGBTQ+, did, did that ever come up in, in negative ways? It did not happen per se on work-sanctioned media. However, what happened was certain individuals who had access to Google's internal message boards chose to leak conversations that I had about diversity, about LGBT plus rights, about women's rights, um, chose to leak those conversations, including my name and photo, to publications and uh I'm not even sure I'd dignify them by calling them publications, but leaked, leaked those words to places where harassment was coordinated, where people posted threats, incitements to violence. Those were places where I definitely was attacked directly on the basis of my identity. Okay, so because some Google employees leaked conversations that you had had internally, you were then harassed online. That is correct. So how do you feel about that now, looking back? Does it still bother you? It absolutely bothers me, but there is very little that I can do about it today. Um, honestly, the best thing that I can do is stop it from happening to someone else. I think for, for a lot of people, when they think of Google, they think of it as a nice place to work, right? 
There are a ton of amenities. The, there's, there's great food courts. There are beautiful campus, right? What would you say to people who view Google in that way and who maybe think that you might be complaining for nothing? I think that if I'm complaining for nothing, the question is, why did I walk away from a $800,000 per year job? Like, I, I had legitimate concerns both about my safety at work as well as about the ethics of what I was working on. And I think that regardless of how many amenities someone is receiving, right, I think that they still have a right to protection from sexual harassment, right? No amount of free food in the microkitchens is going to make up for being sexually harassed or being retaliated against um, or having to work alongside someone who has been a sexual assaulter. And I think that Google can be a fine place to work if you keep your head down. The issue is that you shouldn't have to keep your head down. I just think that it's important for people to have equality of opportunity, and that means freedom from sexual harassment and discrimination. A year after the walkout, what do you hope people will think about when they think about the walkout? What do you hope people will take away from it? I think the message is that employees do have power when they stand together, but that employee organizing is not a one-time effort. This is an ongoing movement that has many different leaders who are getting practice with this, and you cannot possibly try to fire your way out of this problem. You need to really look at what's going on and try to address the grievances of employees. When you started out at Google, it sounds like you were, you know, a believer in, in their values. What were their, their values at that time in your mind? And what do you think their, those values are now today for that company? I think one of the projects I was most proud to work on at Google was Google Books. Um, I worked on helping make sure that the books that were locked away in libraries that were not accessible to people who were blind or people who were dyslexic, that we could scan those books and make them available to people who had disabilities so that they could read those books that they couldn't otherwise access, right? That people would search through books that were in libraries that they couldn't actually pay to get into, right? Like the Harvard Library, right? And I think that that principle of making the world's information universally accessible and useful, I think that that's really powerful. And I think that employees hold up that spirit. Employees hold up that spirit of don't be evil. And I think that the company's work depends upon the labor of employees. And that's something that we can choose to withhold. Liz Fong-Jones, thank you so much for joining me in the studio. Thank you very much for having me. Since Liz Fong-Jones left Google, the company made a few changes intended to support employees involved in investigations, including adding a support person program and the release of a step-by-step -step guide to investigations. I reached out to Google. In an email, Eileen Naughton, the VP of People Operations, said, quote, reporting misconduct takes courage, adding that over the past year, we have simplified how employees can raise concerns and provided more transparency into the investigations process at Google. We work to be extremely transparent about how we handle complaints and the action we take. This is Reset, and I'm Ariel Zimros. We'll be back on Sunday with an episode about the shoes that are changing the sport of running. Before you jump to your next podcast, I want to tell you about a very exciting episode of Recode Decode with Kara Swisher that's dropping tomorrow, Friday, November 1st. Kara sat down for an interview with Edward Snowden. They discussed everything from the normalization of wiretapping in American culture 
to his views on Mark Zuckerberg and the maximization of technological power. Facebook's internal purpose, whether they state it publicly or not, is to compile uh, perfect records of private lives to the maximum extent of their capability and then exploit that uh, for their own corporate enrichment um, and and damn the consequences. Uh, This is actually precisely the same uh, as what the NSA does. Um, Google does, uh, has a very similar model, uh, and they go, oh, we're connecting people. They go, oh, we're organizing data. But uh, we can see privately what they're doing, right? You open your weather app, and it's communicating with Facebook because someone baked the Facebook APK into, or SDK into it. Um, and you didn't even realize that. You don't see it. It's intentionally kept invisible to you, uh, and yet it's collecting material on you. There's a ton to explore. And you know Kara. She doesn't hold back. So I can guarantee that you won't want to miss this. If you're not subscribed to Recode Decode, find it now in your favorite podcast app. As for Reset, you can reach our team by emailing us at reset at vox.com. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the pod on Spotify. Later, nerds.